Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch. It's sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. There's five locations. STLMasses.com is the way to figure out all the stuff on the menu and where to go to get it. But let's get to our guests right away. Who've I've held here to uh, do a test Zoom run as we do these on YouTube and we post them. But I've brought in Dave LaPointe and John Costello, Abbott and Costello, Abbott and LaPointe, LaPointe, whatever. Hello, guys. Hey, call me whatever you want, Brad. <laughs> I see you're in your you're in your Cardinal Fantasy Camp managerial jersey, Dave Lapointe. This uh, this one might be about eight to ten years old, so it's the one that shows up good on camera and it still fits. So I wear it. I was going to say the fit. How's the fit? Why don't, you, why don't you give us a body shot? Let's see the whole thing. Why are you going to be cruel like that? <laughs> I was just at, I wanted to see the whole the whole jersey. Hey, Costi, remember when he put up highlights of the 82 World Series and all it was was me dropping the ball and now he's on my weight? I mean, is this guy a friend or we have to keep doing this? He's a front runner. I didn't do that. That was not me. I had nothing to do with the video presentation of Fantasy Camp. But I did want to bring that up. Uh, I met both of you at Fantasy Camp, and uh, I you guys are the funniest, uh, two of the funniest people that show up to fantasy camp. Uh, John has been banned a couple times uh, due to some of his language. <laughs> right, John? No. I can hear you. I can hear you, you know. <laughs> uh, but you guys are hilarious. And I figured these, this time, you know, pandemic, uh, world's kind of on fire. Let's have some fun and talk some baseball and, and get some, some memories from you guys. Sound good? We can do that. What do you think of this whole... You didn't, you didn't say anything about my Uber hat. Yeah, what are you wearing? Yeah, what are you wearing? I just said it. It's an Uber hat. What am I, stuttering? What, is that, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Uh, I drive an Uber for a living. Oh, is that is that what you're up to these days? You're a former Cardinal, so tell us what you're up to. Driving Uber? Driving Uber? What are you nuts? I don't even take them. Uh, you are. Uh, you told me that uh, the quarantine's not treating you so well, though. Tell me a little bit about what, uh, how you guys are handling quarantine these days. Well, uh, my wife put me on a cleanse during this quarantine, which includes no alcohol. So, yeah, it's been a rough couple of months. Dave, how is how's it been treating you? My wife has not put me on that cleanser. Uh, basically, it's the same as I was living before, except we're not going out to restaurants. But I'm retired. I play golf. I walk my dogs. Uh, that's about it. And you're living in Florida. And again, so again, I met you guys at Fantasy Camp. I did want to start with that because uh, Joe Pfeiffer runs it, does an amazing job. And, and Dave, you've been doing this, I don't know, how many years have you been going to Fantasy Camp? I think 16. Yeah. And, uh, and John, you've been there a few years also. Uh, but I think, I don't need to plug it for Joe, but um, I just, I, I remember thinking this is the greatest thing I've ever been to. I hope to come every year. Um, what is it about just kind of that being in that Cardinal uh, locker room with these 55 year olds or 30 year olds or 75 year olds and being able to, to kind of just tell some stories and put on a Cardinal Jersey again. I, I know Rick Horton gets a real kick out of it too. Uh, and Al Roboski, kind of the guys that have been there a long time um, that it's, Hey, you know, this is like being a Cardinal for four days. Well, I, I think the best thing about it is is that we realize that we are there for them. They're not there for us. So therefore, everybody um, 
we're all friends. We all trust each other and they can come up and talk to us and ask us anything they want to. And we're going to give them a good, honest answer. And then at the end of the day, we're going to have a couple beers with them and get to know them a little bit better. And, um, you know, after four or five days with these guys, just every minute of the day, I don't know. Why do we put beds in our hotel room anyways? I don't know if I've ever used one, but anyways, um, you just get to know them real well. And some of the best friendships that I have in life today are from all the people that I've met at, at, at camp. John, you've, uh, you've enjoyed it. I always, and I, my thing, the thing about it to me is I will, I don't laugh more than I do those four days from morning till night during the games. Um, there's some playfulness of when people can't play it, it. You guys turn it into a kind of a gag, but it's still never real hurtful. But there's just so much laughter in these in these things. And I, you, like I said, you guys provided a lot. Um, do you know going in that hey, I, I want to make I want to make these guys laugh, but I'm also going to let them know that uh, you know we're major league baseball players. You're not. Well, actually, we try to make them feel like a major league baseball player for those four days, and you know. After day one, half of them are in the training room anyway, getting nice down. But uh, like Dave said, it's all about the relationships. You want to give them that big league experience. And what happens on the field is the furthest thing away from resembling a big league experience. But no, I'm just kidding. These guys actually play ball pretty well, and uh, they have a blast doing it. And so do we. We enjoy watching Whitey and Bruce driving around, scouting these guys and when they hear tips from Whitey or Bruce or some other other legends, these guys love it. They eat it up. It's like a bucket list. If you have a chance to go to one of these fantasy camps, I've been going for about 10 years. It's a bucket list. It's something that you, you'll cherish the rest of your life. Definitely is. Um, again, you guys are both former Cardinals. Uh, Dave, you played a few more years than John did, but uh, – I wanted to get just your thoughts on your major league debuts. Now, Dave, yours was with Milwaukee, uh, but interesting. Both of you get a decision, not a decision. I guess, Dave, you got a save. Costi got a win, both in your major league debuts. Did you did you know that both of you had that in common? But uh, tell me about it. Wasn't the same game? No, 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 no. no. John played for the Cardinals. <laughs> I re- well, here's You're the Ricky Horton, right? It was, it was the weirdest thing. I remember his major league debut as a fan because I was, I don't know, I was maybe 10, 9, 9 years old at that point. But it was uh, it was a big deal. It was a, an extra inning game. And Costello comes in and Rabowski would always kind of, you know, fluff up these these minor leaguers that were coming in. And he said, yeah, his major league debut and this guy's got a good fastball. He struck out three guys. I remember it. And then the fist pump. And that was like used, like not this week in baseball, but there was a show on ESPN that was on, and they always showed Costello banging his mitt after he won. I, I mean, that was. Tell me about your major league debut, Costi. Where did you? How did you get the call? I want to hear about all of it. Was who called you? Who, who comes and tells you in? And then tell me about that night in Philadelphia. Well, it was the next running game, like you said, and uh, Tudor actually started that game. And normally, when he starts, you have the night off. But as it comes, we're in Philadelphia. It went extra innings. We used the entire pitching staff. So it was myself, Dave Ricketts, and Tommy Lawless down there. So when the phone rang, they both looked at me and said, well, it's not for us. So I knew I was kind of in the game. And uh, Steve Peters gave up a triple to lead off the, uh, I think, 13th inning, bottom of the 13th in Philadelphia. And Whitey 
was smart enough to let him intentionally walk the next two. And he brought me in with the bases loaded. So it was kind of a baptism under fire. And I came in with the bases loaded. I luckily got out of it with a couple of pop-ups. Nobody scored. We scored in the top of the 14th, and then I punched out the side in the bottom of the 14th. And then you struck out with the bases loaded. Who did, Schmidt? I did. I, I batted in the, the top of the 14th with the bases loaded and two outs, and I struck out to end the inning with the bases loaded. I don't remember that, but that seems like a good – so who calls – like where were you when – I mean, Louisville was the AAA uh, at that point. How do you find out, and what's like your heart – does your heart beat? Tell, I mean, it, that's kind of the – it's got to be one of the best days of your life, right? Yeah, I remember getting the call from Mike Jorgensen, and uh, he called me into his office to tell me I was going up to the show. And that's – everybody always wants to hear that phone call where you go into the show. Well – I, I finally got it after five and a half years in the minor leagues trying to get a chance to get up to the big leagues. And uh, after becoming a reliever the year before, it took a year and a half to get to the big leagues. So I should have been a reliever from the beginning because I didn't have more than two pitches anyway. Well, you, did you throw hard? I mean, you am I right that you were throwing pretty hard? Did the gun show that? Because they didn't have the gun on TV back then. Or did it just look hard? Because Steve Peters, Steve Peters wasn't throwing hard. I remember that. No, he had a good curveball, but that's all he had. Yeah. Um, I threw mid, mid to upper 80s on a good night. So I didn't throw real hard, but I kind of short-armed the ball, so it kind of got on the hitter a little quicker than they expected it. Kind of like a uh, Jim Deshays or a uh, Sid Fernandez type, where short-armed the ball. You had you were about 200 pounds less than Sid, though. Uh, yes. But I'd have to disclose I'm 300 pounds less than him now. <laughs> and then, Dave, so you were with the Brewers, and you got you were 20 years old when you made your Major League debut. Just give me a little bit about – I always love those stories about just that call, but you were so young. Did you even realize what was – like how important this was at that age? Or as you look back, do you go, wow, I wasn't ready for that? Or what, what was it like for you? Uh, well, yeah, like when you're 20 years old, everything is right. And uh, I was playing in – we were in Vancouver – and uh, different, different from my call up with the Cardinals when I missed my first flight. But uh, we were in Vancouver, and I had we had to uh, meet the team in Minnesota. So it was the old Metropolitan Stadium, and I get in. I knew most of everybody from spring training, so it wasn't you know. Thank God for spring training that they just don't walk you in you know naked and you don't know anybody up there. You know everybody. So uh, uh, Buck Rogers was managing. George Bamberger was sick at the time so buck rogers took over and it was a two to one game and uh paul mitchell started and uh, he came out and brought me and he said listen this is uh this is your game winner or loser and that's all he said to me and that's the only time in my career that i had a chance for a save and i won for one and save opportunity so um after that you know the practical jokes that brewers team was full of practical jokes so uh buck martinez was the catcher and in between innings, they had put the gun, the cigarette and a piece of gum on the back of his shoe. So my first game in the big leagues, I'm warming up and I'm looking in and Buck Martinez's shoe is on fire. So I'm a rookie. I'm you're not supposed to say anything and show the guy up, but I'm trying to tell him that he's smoking. So he goes to wipe the gum off his shoe and his finger gets stuck in it. So now he's burned his finger. <laughs> he's mad at everybody on the bench and we're trying to to uh, win the ball game out there. So 
that is, that is pretty much the way my career has gone, just like that. <laughs> a lot of a lot of those. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you had you had a lot of teams and a lot of practical jokers. I'm sure, Costi, any good practical joke story? Did you want to add to what you heard from Dave there too? I did want to add Paul Mitchell. Um, I think I used his hair products. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it worked out too well though. <laughs> you have to water it. <laughs> I got wavy hair. Keeps waving goodbye. What is, any practical joke stories you remember, Casty, from your your days in the, uh, the a, a good one? I know the the Joe McGrain one that uh, him and the GQ thing. You were around for that. No, well, I tell you what, and true story. I came up with the GQ idea, and Tom Bernanski ran with it because I was a rookie. And after several weeks of him thinking he was going to be in GQ, after sweating out like four or five suits out in the 140-degree turf at Bush Stadium, he was playing it up how all these gals are going to meet him on the road and he was going to be a big shot on GQ. And my father sent two telegrams from New York. And the first telegram said, Dear Joe, sorry, but due to your subpar season, we are unable to use your article in this upcoming issue of GQ Magazine. Thank you very much. D. Wormsley, GQ Magazine. We got D. Wormsley's name from Ozzy because he was in GQ earlier that year. And what gave me the idea is Joe used to read that magazine and he was looking at Ozzy's clothes and his shoes and everything. So Joe liked to try and dress like he was a 10-year veteran in the big leagues, but he was only in his second year. So Bernanski wanted to bring him down a notch. The next day, he wouldn't talk to anybody after that first telegram. And he always combed his hair before he went out for BP. Well, that day he had his hat on. He wasn't combed and he wasn't styling. The next day, it was like telegram for Mongo. The clubhouse kid in Atlanta comes in. Telegram for Joe McGrain. Telegram for Joe McGrain. He opens it up and now everybody's there. Whitey, Gino, everybody from the Cardinals is in that locker room. And it says... Dear Joe McGrain, roses are red, violets are blue. You've been had by your teammates. There was no GQ. <laughs> and Joe, Joe's about six foot six and a pretty big boy. He went from six foot six down to about that big. And everybody in that locker room was laughing their tail off. It was pretty funny. Yeah, he- that was the best ones I've ever seen. And my father wouldn't even take any money for the uh, two telegrams from Western Union. He, he was glad just to be a part of it. Yeah, did, did he take it well? I remember him coming up early, and he, I thought I heard he was kind of uh, had the major league five, five and ten guy after five starts. Right. He he had no choice but to take it well. And then when we got back to St. Louis, Jim Menzies, the photographer that took all those pictures of Joe. He even showered in between a couple of the suit changes he had. It was so hot on the turf that day. And uh, Jim Menzi plastered all of the pictures of him all around the locker room. So when we got back from the trip, he still got reminded of it. Now, isn't I think the postscript, though, is they actually used them, right, and put them in GQ. I think the next year he actually got those pictures to be yes. in there. Spring training, he got with his agent, or his agent got with GQ, one or the other. And there was a magazine and everybody's stall on their chair and it said roses are red violets are blue to all joe's teammates there is a gq something like that and it wasn't near as good as the one we got on him so we all picked up our copies and threw them at him 
<laughs> I remember now that same year though, because uh, I think you were around. But they, did Tom Bernanski put a cheeseburger out at third base for Eric Gregg on the last day of the season? Uh, were you around for that? Tommy Tommy Lawless put it out there, and to Eric Gregg's credit, he picked up that cheeseburger, took a bite, took a bite out of it. Yeah. Dave, you said you missed a flight uh, early on in your career. I don't think I've ever heard that story. I'd like to hear it now. So how, how does that happen? Um, that's in uh, Springfield in 1981, where we lost the first game of the season. We had a 2 nothing lead, two outs in the ninth inning, and an 0-2 count in the hitter. We lost. We're a playoff game in Omaha. We have a 2 nothing lead to win the championship. 2-0 count, or 0-2 count in the hitter, and we lost. So we uh, we might have had a team celebration after that uh, game, and uh, we had to meet the team out in Los Angeles after that game, and um, there's not a whole lot of flights going out of Omaha, Nebraska. So I might have overslept in the morning and, and, uh, and made it just a little bit later, which Whitey was real happy with. I think my favorite fantasy camp story is the guy that was so afraid of falling and not making the mor- the Monday morning meeting. He slept in his, his uh, uniform, but was in the lobby, right? He didn't even make it to his room. W- wasn't that what happened? I don't think that's normally from fear of missing the bus or anything. That just happens. <laughs> you guys let him have it. Um, we talked about uh, some of these great names. I-, I love some of the names you guys played with. I'm going to ask John because I've heard so many great Pedro Guerrero stories. You have to have a good one or two about Pedro, right? You play with him in 88 and then a little bit 89, 90. I would think <laughs> John is putting a face mask on for those who are not watching. I can't tell any Pedro Guerrero stories. Well, we'll move on. Well, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one that uh, – no, I, no, I can't. Never mind. No, go ahead. <laughs> can't start. We always have this 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 rule at our house. Hey, you start, you can't stop. Um, I don't think there's anybody that could tell any Pedro Guerrero story. So that's that goes beyond even us. Yeah, I can't. Damn. Well, that's not even the <laughs> not even the thing in Houston in the bar. Or, I, I mean, I know that Isn't one, but. That this is not ball four. We can't tell all the inside stuff. All right, I'll move to Dave. You played with Ricky Henderson uh, with the Yankees. Can you give us a good Ricky Henderson story at least? If you remember. Um, well, I uh, actually did an interview the other day with Joel Sherman about the 90 Yankees, and uh, he said they were they were talking in the corner, and this guy kept walking past them, and uh, – he had Yankee pinstripe pants on, but just a T-shirt. Ricky just kept getting annoyed, like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And finally they had to tell him that was Dave Island who had pitched two nights before. But Ricky wasn't really big into knowing his teammates really closely. Uh, I lived next door to him for a year, but it took half a year for him to realize that was me getting into the car next to him. But uh, one of the greatest players of all time, and I would take him on my team every chance I got because that guy could play. Another another guy. I'll tell one. I'll tell one Guerrero story, and it's on, on the field. He literally, I think, hit close to 400 with men in scoring position in 1989, and probably the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen in person at that time. He just was unbelievable. If there's guys in scoring position, the guy would just flat out rake. That's your story. 
That's my story. It's the only one I can think of. Am I am I correct though? As if, good. That's the only one that I can tell. Oh yeah, I told I told one the other day. I remember him and Danny Darwin getting into a brawl. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was 1990, and he just slapped him across the face like that. I've never seen it. Although he did throw a bat at David Cohn, so there's that brawl. I'm guessing if I if that's the name that you can't tell me a story about, is that the most bizarre person you've ever played with? I would say then Costi. Um, until Joe McGrain gave a morning meeting speech at camp recently, that was the most bizarre guy, probably. Can you elaborate a little bit on what Joe may have said? I know those morning meetings stay at the morning meeting, but... Yeah, what happens at the meeting stays at the meetings. You did... Aguero was a good guy. He was a good teammate. I think I think he hit better when he was hungover than when he was sober. <laughs> There's a lot of guys... I mean, that was a thing, though. Like Mickey Mantle, I think, used to say, I like being sort of more relaxed when I get to the ballpark, and that would help him, right? So, Dave, you would know more about... Him because you were a Yankee, I think, is where I was going with that. I got a pass on that one. I never played with Mickey Mantle. I have no idea what he did after a game. So, you know, it sounds like you should be telling some of these stories. No, 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 no. I'm just curious to hear from you guys. But you told, I heard now, I read, I'd like to hear more about this, a day, was it an old-timers game where I think you got to sit at a table and it was, who was it, Billy Martin and Whitey Ford, and I can't remember who the third person was. It It wasn't Mickey Mantle, I don't think. But did you not, or were you kind of in there, kind of earshot, and kind of just kind of trying to pick up what they were saying? Was that, would I read that right? Actually, that was my, it was my first spring training game when I signed with the Yankees and got down my three innings. John, I'm going to say this out loud. I was done doing my weights afterwards. <laughs> you probably never heard that before. I, I me. know. You were legendary for that. But anyways, um, got done just hanging around, waiting for the game to get over, and there they are, uh, Billy, Mickey, and Whitey, and they're sitting in their their T-shirt and underwear, and they're drinking a Bud Heavy, and uh, I'm kind of looking over there, you know, trying to make it look like I've been in the big leagues for a little bit, and Whitey goes, hey, Lefty, come on over here and have a beer with us. And I said, well, you know, we're not supposed to drink in the Yankee clubhouse in spring training. He goes, what are they going to do, fire us? So... Went over there and listened and told they were just telling stories, and I was smart enough to know that that's where you just sit there and listen. But it's back before cell phones, so I got I got nothing to prove that I did that. But at that day, I thought, you know, how many American people would just love to be sitting here right now doing what I'm doing? Costi, who's your favorite? Who's your best foursome like that? Um, if you have one. Probably a, a different Whitey, Whitey Herzog. Um, Whitey, Shannon, and Red telling stories about hunting. And uh, one of them was, I think it was Mickey, Mantle, and Yogi were in a duck blind. And one of the ducks apparently landed on the ground, and Yogi started to follow it with his shotgun. And Mickey said, this is Whitey telling the story. And Mickey said, you're not going to shoot that duck while it's on the ground walking are you and then yogi said hell no i'll wait till that son of a gun stops <laughs> the way whitey told it was a lot funnier <laughs> how is whitey i know you you still get a chance to talk to him by both of you guys i think uh and i think a lot of cardinal fans are always interested to hear how some of our uh, our hall of famers are doing uh, and give us uh, a little update if you have oh i 
talked to Kathy Dampier, his assistant for his golf tournaments and all his appearances. And literally just today, she was telling me she was with Whitey. So I said, tell Whitey and Mary Lou, we all said hello and we're thinking about them. And she said they're both doing great and they're doing well. So excellent. I always, uh, I always, anytime I think about Cardinals, um, I always think it's amazing. And John, I know it was kind of a, a smaller career for you and you didn't get a chance to play on a championship team. But Dave, the fact that you were on the Cardinals and then played on a championship team, it's like your name is always etched in stone as world champion, Cardinal, like Dane Orge, Gene Roof from 82, just some names of guys that you might not remember, but you do remember them being on the 82 team. Like the 85 team, I'll always remember Tom Nieto was on that team or Ivan De Jesus or uh, 87, Dan Dreesen. I can just name these names of guys that, oh yeah, Dan Dreesen had that big hit against the Phillies. I mean, that's got to be kind of cool that you have that little cherry on top that Cardinal fans will remember you because you were part of that team. Is that does that does that make sense? Does it sound like something that that does does happen? They're like, oh, Dave. Obviously, they remember you pitching in the World Series. But the fact that if you're on a World Series team, especially in St. Louis, they're going to remember every player on that team. Well, that's why they're the the greatest fans I've ever seen. I've always said you could uh, be hunting in the, the middle of winter out in the woods, and there's a good chance somebody would come up and ask you for your autograph. You know, I've played other places where you could walk downtown in your uniform and they have no idea who you are. So St. Louis is just a, a different bunch. But um, um, now that you minimize my career, yes, I'm very thankful that I that I did pitch in the World Series. And there are there are you know I always go back to Glenn Brummer stealing home play you know, home uh, in during the season. And that's one of those names that he was our third catcher. He got very few at bats. Uh, he was great defensively. He was great to have on your team, but what normal fan is going to remember him? I remember Glenn Brummer. I'm not the average fan though. So I remember Glenn Brummer stealing home. We'll get back to Dave LaPointe telling that story here in a minute. Of course, uh, having a little technical difficulty here. So that's why it's a good time to stop down and talk about the title sponsor. Masses Restaurant, St. Louis, five locations. STLMasses.com is the website. You can look at menus. You can find directions to the locations. There's five of them and they're open. They're doing curbside. They're doing uh, delivery. Just look at the website. It'll give you all the information you need. Masses Restaurants. I like a Big Al special myself. It's the pizza. It's giant. It's got some hamburger and pepperoni and bacon. Uh, Big Al didn't even really like that, but that's what they call it. But they've got all kinds of good pizza, thin crust. It's delicious. I like their pasta. I love their pizza. Mm. Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis. Let's get back. Oh, by the way, this is uh, here's the pitch. And, of course, if you listen to these, I want to remind you to go to YouTube. I'm posting every day on YouTube. And all you got to do is search ST Weekly. Sports Talk Weekly was my old show way back in the day. I've kept it as a YouTube channel, ST Weekly. I post all of these podcasts now there, and I post them there first. So you can watch video of these podcasts. This is a streaming video podcast here with some fun uh, video in, interspersed, and that's what I'm trying to do with this. But you can also listen to it wherever you do on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, but hopefully you're enjoying it. But subscribe on ST Weekly at YouTube. And uh, let's get back to uh, the conversation with Dave and John as they begin to admire my basement. Is that your basement? It is. What's going on back there? Okay. Well, uh, I, don't see any pictures. I don't see any pictures of me and Dave up on your wall. Normally that would happen, right? We'd be in the background someplace. Yeah, oh, at least change one out just to make, at least make it look like you care about the guys you're in. Oh, I, I care, guys. 
because this is making me laugh, I'm going to continue as if this was part of the conversation we were just having. Uh, Wait, you just got rid of me. There you go. Ooh, nice. Hard throw on lefty. Did some digging. All right. That's intimidating right there. Number 50 right there in all your heart. I'm showing up baseball cards to uh, to. I also have I also have, right. have Dave with the Giants here. This was just just a quick search. Believe it, believe it or not, I did some research. You're the best. Yeah, look at you, look at you posing there. Was that a pose, or were you actually really? Uh, what's going on there? Oh no, that was a that was a hangover trip. Just flew in from Phoenix on that one. So you remember this? Oh yes, I do. <laughs> Great trip. So we had a little flight that time. We had a little. You know those day after a day off uh, photos you had to take. That was one of them. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back. And I thank Dave and John for playing along in my reindeer games here. Uh, Dave, you were you were mentioning a uh, how you were a world champion, and then you said I offended you, but I wasn't trying to offend you. You were a big part of the '82 team. My point was, once you're on those teams, people remember you forever, and I think that's where. I didn't pay my bills on the Zoom call. My first attempt at a Zoom call here at uh, Here's the Pitch. But I was, uh, I, I don't remember. Do we, do we need to revisit that answer? How, how, how far did we get into the Glenn Brummer story? Did we, did you were we right there. Home? You were right into it. You're like Glenn he Brummer. Safe. He was safe at home. You know, he stole home, and, and, and we went on quite a tear after that. And um, the greatest thing that you can ever have on maybe you can have them on one of your new zoom podcasts is have brummer on because then you get all the stories you need i've i've a bigger headshot i had glenn be part of uh, the a lot of the fox sports stuff i was i was doing back in the day and he was instant comedy and uh, always always good always fun to have he pitched to bill murray in 1987 i mean who else has got the stealing of home and then pitching to bill murray at batting practice glenn brummer did it all he was a coach. How did Glenn go? How did Glenn Brummer become a coach? Is my question. Because he caught all those years under Dave Ricketts. That's a good point. And I think that's one of the things the the current Cardinals should should keep doing is have that flavor of Dave Ricketts still someplace in that clubhouse and in the in the catcher's area that the uh, the heritage will continue. Uh, look at the long line of great catchers we've had, and they've all had something to do with Dave Ricketts along the way. So it would be nice, you know, maybe just as a roving instructor or a guy in spring training, but, you know, have a Pagnozzi or somebody like that, uh, Lavalier, or somebody has been under Ricketts. Um, uh, the bullpen coach, Jamie Pogue, has, has had quite a few years around Ricketts. But um, I think the way our successor, our catchers have had, I think it would be a good idea to have something around that reminds everybody of Dave Ricketts. Yeah, I, I remember looking that up and, and obviously knowing it, but when you when you see it, it basically went 60s, 70s, McCarver to Simmons, Simmons to Porter, Porter to Pagnazzi, Pena in there as well, Tony Pena, a great defensive catcher, uh, then Pagnazzi through the 90s, Matheny, Yachty. I mean, not I, it's basically seven catchers over, um, you know, 70 years. <laughs> that's pretty – and they're, half of them are in the Hall of Fame or will be, so I guess that's a good – a good sign about Dave Ricketts, and, and we should. I've, I will tell you guys that I, I hung around Yadi a little bit during uh, my work with Fox, and he always wanted to see video of Dave Ricketts. He's like, "I want to. See, do you have any video of him playing? Or I'd love to see you know him playing in actual games." And so he was. He loved himself some uh, uh, Dave Ricketts. 
You still there, Dave? I don't. I'm, I'm now not seeing you, but uh, that's. I am. Uh, I can. I can see John. I can't see you, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I can still hear you. There, he is. there you go. I, I did. Rick has, one of the, Rick has told me one of the funniest stories because he didn't play a lot. He, um, but you know, he's a listener and, and and a good teacher and everything like that. But he said, he goes, "You want to make an impression in spring training?" He goes, "You know, when you're done with a drill, you always had to switch fields and go to a different field and have a different drill." He said, when you're on your way from field one to field two and you're switching drills, he goes, I used to go from field to field going, that away, Ricketts, that away, Ricketts. And everybody that wasn't there could hear that away, Ricketts, and it made him look better. So one of those things I learned from him. Didn't he? And I, I think Yadi said there was a point during spring training where there was a drill that was not going well, and he had a golf cart, and he just rode right over home plate during either a game or a drill. It was a spring training game, but Ricketts was so mad, he took the catcher and put him in the in the cart and said, let's go back to the backfields. I think it was during a game, but, yeah, it, I, I never really got a chance to meet him, but he's like one of those George Kissel types that it has to have some sort of plaque uh, somewhere, obviously. I think he wasn't named a Hall of Famer, but it, there's that great – I mean, it just that's that's why Cardinal baseball is awesome. It just they, they get taught by the same guys, and there's the Kissel way. I mean, Mike Schilt. I love what Mike Schilt talks about George Kissel because it. I I just feel like it's it can't be forgotten. You know, I know they've got all the statistics and all the things you can use with computers, uh, but George Kissel George Kissel could just watch it and see it. So that's my soapbox. But I I would bet I, I you guys a good. Agree. I got a good George Kissel story. It's not a story, but my high school baseball coach. Played for George Kissel in the minor leagues through the Cardinal organization. And the odds of my high school coach knowing George as well as I ended up getting to know him just shows you the, the vast, I guess, gamut of George's influence on baseball. I mean, George was probably the best instructor that the Cardinals have ever had. There's no, there's no doubt, and everyone agrees with that. Um, I've kept you guys a long time. I appreciate your time. We did look at some baseball cards. I like to open up baseball cards with my guests. I have a, a pack here from 1989 or 90, I think. You might be in there. You want to take a look and see if you know these teammates of yours here, the Donruss? Huh? Okay, great. Uh-oh. How many minutes we got left on the account? I know. That's. I'm trying to hurry. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying because my phone's... You had enough money to spring for some baseball cards. You know, you can get these at Amazon or wherever. But... That gum might actually be fresh by now. It's usually stale back in 89, but now it should be good. And you notice we didn't see him open the package. Package is good open. Point. Yeah, there it is. I opened it. The first card's a checklist. Never good when you get the checklist. 0 for 1. Right, throw that one right out. I don't see you on it. Todd Zeal was number 29 that year. How about this guy, Hall of Famer, right, off the, right out of the hopper? Paul Molitor. 1977 draft. That was a good draft for the Brewers that year. And a loser in 1982. Five hits. Game one record. Did you? I guess you said there, there's one thing. You want to you wanna lose your nervousness in a World Series game? One pitch, one out to Paul Molitor. That makes you feel pretty good. Absolutely. Paul Sorrento. We got the Paul Pack. Not a lot going on with Paul, right? I don't remember much about him. This is a rookie card from 1989, but you probably – no? Good? Anything? Is that Paul – Paul Servino, wasn't he in the uh, Goodfellas? <laughs> a lot of chew going there, looks like. That is a pretty good piece of chaw going there on that right side there. Yeah, I like it. Got a uh, reliever. Got better as uh, with age Bobby Thigpen there. That guy. Uh, My old teammate with the White Sox. Looks like his uh, elbow level's a little low right there. I can see surgery happening. 
with 57 saves a couple years after this card. This card's from 1990. So, yeah, Bobby Thigpen. Larry Shields, or Sheets, Larry Sheets. Home run hitter for a couple years, a couple years there in the American League. Never, he never got me, so we're good. Yep, never heard of him. Was this a teammate I maybe? Jim Gott? I know he played for the Giants. I'm not sure if it was the same time as you. Jim Gott, closer for the Pirates a couple he years. Played for the Cardinals. Jim Gott? Came up through the Cardinals system. Well, let's take a look at that. My eyes are bad, but okay. I don't remember him being a – he was originally drafted by the Cardinals in 1977. Dave LaPointe knows a lot of stuff, folks. It used to be Gotti, but they got rid of the eye, and now he's using a witness protection program. Current pitching coach for the Phillies, open coach. Oh, that's right. We got uh, Joel Skinner just kind of hanging out. Play with him with the White Sox a little bit. Good guy, good uh, solid defensive player. It's an American League pack here. This guy was a, a red for a while. Nick Asaski, the first baseman for the Reds, is now the Red Sox here in 1990. Longest home run I ever gave up was to Nick Kasaski when he was with the Reds. He had, yeah, he had 20. How far How far did it go? Uh, above Mackland, um, five or six rows into the upper deck that it went out of the camera range. They kind of focused on one of the seats up there, and then they saw it land, but uh, – Hey, we won 7-2. to It's okay, right, Costi? That's right. That's all that counts. I remember Garrett Stevenson after. They lost, the Cardinals lost 16 to nothing. I believe was the score. Garrett Stevenson pitched five innings, uh, gave up six home runs. I think he, he left, and it was either down 9 nothing. And he, he honestly said this, and I don't know if he was joking or not. He said, you know, if you take away those six or seven bad pitches, I thought I threw pretty good. And he said that for real. Brian Meyer, reliever. I remember him, kind of a... Well, that's Brian Meyer. Here's a good one. That's a guy from the era. I think that last guy who used to steal signs. Is that true? Brian Meyer did? <laughs> yeah. That's where it started. It's a good must- Nobody knows that. Oh. That's all on Costi right there. I don't know. He's got a mustache, too, though. So you kind of like, you know, Bobby Valentine, maybe. He was kind of in the edge of the dugout. All right, Dwight Gooden. Yeah. You guys remember Dwight Gooden? Yep. Actually, made two outs and one at bat against him. How'd you do that? Well, he struck me out, and when I swung at his curveball and missed it by about two feet, it bounced in the dirt. Gary Carter blocked it. It went over towards their on deck circle. I had to take off to first, and I got thrown out at the same time. So I struck out and got thrown out in the same at bat. The doctor, Dr. K, great nickname. Cecilio Guante, I love that name. I love the way he pitched. He had like he, he's so glove. What did you say? He was running uh, liners in St. Louis, and uh, Studer went up to him and said, "You know, it's against the rules of baseball. You can't run on the field while the home team is taking batting practice." And Bruce was so seriously that this guy just sprinted into the dugout to get off the field. <laughs> Call him Cecil Glove. I like that. I see. That's what I'm looking for. A little nicknames. Uh, we got a teammate here, Costi, 1989, rated rookie. Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal started the no collisions at home plate back then. <laughs> Had to move him to third base. Step to the side and let him slide in. Would, would kind of mess his hair up, right? Is that what they said? Didn't want to ruin that hair? I, I tell you what, Todd, Todd was a great guy, great teammate. But uh, I think getting from behind home plate and getting to uh, third base and – First base was a, a good fit for him. 
We were talking about on the last podcast we did, after he left here, 90 RBIs, four straight years after he left here. So he obviously had some potential untapped. This is a great – this is one of those guys that we were just – this is Jose Okendo I'm showing you. I think he's one of these modern-day Kissel's rickets. I, I love watching him teach uh, baseball, and I love watching him play. Jose Okendo, one of my all-time favorites. Costia, teammate of yours. Uh, Pointer was gone by – The secret weapon. Love that guy. Great nickname. Yep. All right. Brad, you're forgetting I was on the 87 team. Yes, he was my team. Oh, that's right. You were there for that. I'm sorry. That's Jesus, do some homework, Brad. What the hell? I didn't want to bring up a bad mo- a moment in your career, though, that you didn't stay for the rest of the – Did you get a, you got a ring, though, right, I would assume? An L- no, I got a quarter of a check. I never got a ring. Oh, that's not, that's not nice. Mike Fitzgerald did the Expos. I don't remember. Uh, another one that started with – he started with the Cardinals. Sounds right. Sounds right. I have to look that so, up. We're in spring training, his first big league camp, and my day to throw, to get some work in, and it was my change-up day. So they brought us in. They started in, and they bring us all in the cages, and we're going live BP. So I'm going to throw 10 change-ups in a row, and I told Fitzy, I'm going to throw you 10 in a row. And he swung and missed the 10 straight change-ups, and then they sent him down after batting practice. So that's not a proud moment. <laughs> But luckily, when he was catching with the uh, Expos, uh, Randy Johnson's first start, and Fitzy's back there, and thank God I know him, and thank God he didn't take a personal ride through those change-ups. And I said, the plate is all his. I'm not going to be anywhere close near it. He's, you know, a little bit wild back then. And didn't he just throw the three nicest meat balls right down the center of the plate that I never swung on one of them because I was a scared. <laughs> Good story. Last one, John Olerud. Played with a helmet out in the field. Sweet swing. Probably don't remember him. <laughs> Neither does Ricky Henderson. I would say that's true. All right, and then there's a puzzle piece. Um, yeah. Do you know who this is? Only player in history to get 100 more hits in his first 20 seasons. 16 all-star teams, 34, 19 hits, 3,419 hits, and 452 RBIs. That's part of a puzzle. Name that player. Anyone? No clue. Carl Yastrzemski. That was my second guess. Yeah. Well, guys, that's that's all I had. We talked about Dave Ricketts. That was fun. We talked about Jose Okendo. Uh, you guys will have a lot of time to uh, think about how much fun you guys had here today. and The setup of uh, a minor league podcast, basically. I've, I've learned how to make this thing work, I think. And I appreciate you guys being part of it. Did you enjoy your time today? Just can't wait till we can all get together and rehash it again. So remember, I'm putting these up, these two cards up on my right here. So I'm going to move right now and move. This is – that's Bruce Suter. Don't need Lou Brock. I'll cover up Bruce. Yeah, I'll put you guys right there. Bruce, you covered him up. Okay. We talked to you anything. You don't cover up a Hall of Famer. What are you, you – I mean, you're going Joe Kretz on us. You're offending everybody in the organization. Bruce Suter has, has, has taught me so much. From, from Legends Camp, but the most important thing he's ever taught me is never trust a fart. That's a, that's good, a Hall good, good advice at our age. That's a Hall of Famer. We still got a to go. All right. Guys, again, I appreciate your time. We, I had some fun. I hope you did. That's uh, Here's the pitch. Uh, sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. Five locations. STLMasses.com. Dave LaPointe, John Costello. Two of the funniest guys. Get It's worth the price of admission at Fantasy Camp. Not to go play. Not to put on the uniform but to be hanging around these two guys. And I'm 
I'm, I'm glad I can call them friends. Can I say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all, right. all right, guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. And thanks for listening.